guys. Hi. Welcome to Environmental. Mental. I'm Mary. I'm Emma. And I'm Emily. We're a couple college students who love learning about our Earth and we're eager to share our journey. Environmental is a radio show committed to blowing your mind with all things environmental. We'll explore topics such as climate change, pollution, and sustainability. Join us for a 11 p.m. existential crisis broadcasted at just 11 a.m. for your convenience. Woo! Woo! We had a long three-day weekend, but it was nice. I had a four-day weekend. No, that's right. Outside. I had a four-day weekend. Ooh. Yeah. It was beautiful. So today we're going to revisit carbon dioxide. Ooh. <laughs> um, since we have the proper equipment, we decided to redo this episode. Yeah, rebroadcast of yes, carbon. This is Important. Super important. Yeah, this is going to set the basis up for a possibly future special episode. So, take notes, guys. Yes, we are coming up on a thousand streams. Whoa! (laughs) Thank you. So, thank you so much, everyone who has tuned in on your favorite streaming platform. So, once we hit a thousand, we thought we'd do a special episode and ask all of you guys what your questions are about climate change or the environment or yeah. anything. So we decided we should revisit carbon dioxide to set that base, as Emma said, for hopefully that special that will come soon. Yeah. So keep streaming so we can hit a 1,000. I should look right now, see how many we're at, actually. It's uh, 986. Oh! <laughs> oh okay. Gosh. Maybe 87. <laughs> So, so almost really there. Yeah. Okay. So stream all of our past episodes and catch up because yeah. you're going to need to be all caught up. Tell your yes. aunt and your cousin and your neighbor to all listen to us so we can... And your dentist. And your dentist, yeah. <laughs> He's got nothing better to do. Or she. She's got nothing better to do. Um, and I ordered some stickers. Oh, awesome. <gasps> yes. So, so stickers excited. will be available for a price. Uh, in these coming weeks as well. If, so if you're interested, uh, DM us. They look yeah. really good. Donate to the cause. Yeah. Yes. The, the stickers look really awesome. Okay. So okay. Carbon dioxide. I guess I'll we'll just dive in. Yeah. Okay. So what is carbon dioxide? So CO2 is a colorless gas having a faint, sharp odor and a sour taste. <laughs> Except for rule number one in the lab, <laughs> don't ever taste anything. Who who found that out? Somebody. Some Somebody. Poor soul. Some or maybe scientists. <sighs> Tell us more. All right. Formed in the combustion of carbon containing materials in fermentation and the respiration of animals and employed by plants in the photosynthesis of carbohydrates. The presence of the gas in the atmosphere keeps some of the radiant energy received by Earth from being returned to space, thus produces the so-called greenhouse effect. And so we wouldn't be warm enough at all without any amount of greenhouse effect. So yes, correct. This is important. We, to know. we do need this blanket to keep us warm. <laughs> nice. That was good. Carbon blanket. Um, so how much CO2 is in the atmosphere right now 
Um, according to climate.gov, climate change, atmospheric carbon dioxide by Rebecca Lindsay, the global average atmospheric carbon dioxide in 2017 was 405 parts per million, with a range of uncertainty of plus or minus 0.1. Um, carbon dioxide levels today are higher than that at any point in the last 800,000 years. In wow. fact, the last time the atmosphere CO2 amounts were this high was more than 3 million years ago when the temperature <laughs> was 3.6 to 5.4 degrees higher than during the pre-industrial era. And the sea level was 15 to 25 meters or 50 to 80 feet higher than today. So <laughs> the amount of carbon back then was and had these you know disastrous wow it sounds really familiar yeah sea level rise yeah um so what's happening is carbon dioxide concentrations are rising mostly because of the fossil fuels that people are burning for energy this blew my mind i never even thought what is why do they call it fossil fuels yeah i kind of spaced on that too it's pretty obvious but but like, huh? <laughs> so they're called fossil fuels because the fuel in your gas tank comes from the chemical remains of prehistoric plants and animals. So literally so fossils. Literally fossils, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just, I don't know why I never, like, put that, put two and two together. Yeah, that's, they have those gas stations that are, like, with the little dino mart, and they have the, like, dinosaur uh-huh. on it, and it's like, oh, we're literally Sinclair, just fueling. Yeah, yeah, we're literally just fueling with dinosaur fossils. Which actually, I think, like, is, it's actually mostly, like, plants, like, ancient dinosaur plants. Yeah. And plankton. Yeah. Fossil fuels, like coal and oil, contain carbon that plants pulled out of the atmosphere, atmosphere through photosynthesis over a span of many millions of years. We are now returning that carbon to the atmosphere in just a few hundred. That rate should be alarming because... A naturally occurring process that usually takes millions of years is happening in just a few hundred. (laughs) So this natural process that, you know, took millions of years, we're just, you know, ripping it out of the ground and burning it. Burning (laughs) it. (laughs) Kind of sounds like what humans would do. Yes. Yeah. Shame. Shame. (laughs) Um, And the reason why this is why carbon dioxide is so important um, is because it stays in the atmosphere for the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, so it stays in the atmosphere for a hundred years. Um, and this this next question was brought up by I was taking an Uber and my Uber driver was trying to play devil's advocate to climate change and he brought up volcanoes. And so has my dentist. So, oh my gosh! If a volcano, the, so what if a volcano erupts? That's going to emit, you know, so much. It's going to change the climate. Blah blah blah. No, when a volcano erupts, it can cool the planet by shading incoming solar radiation, and then it dis like it dissipates. It doesn't last. It only lasts for about two to four years. So they can track it. They can kind of tell how long it lasts for. Yeah. So. That is not a valid excuse. Um, anyways, um, 
So as we learned in our class with Kramer, water vapor is actually the most abundant greenhouse gas in the atmosphere, but carbon dioxide is the most important um, because of Earth's long-lived greenhouse gases. Um, it absorbs less heat per molecule than greenhouse gas methane or nitrous oxide, and so methane we know comes from cows burping <laughs> and other <laughs> various. Um, so those absorb more per molecule, but they don't last as long, I believe. And it's more abundant, and it stays in the atmosphere much longer. While carbon dioxide is less abundant and less powerful than water vapor on a molecule per molecule basis, it absorbs wavelengths of thermal energy that water vapor does not, which means it adds to the greenhouse effect in a unique way. Increases in the atmosphere, atmospheric carbon dioxide are responsible for about two-thirds of the total energy imbalance that's causing Earth's temperature to rise. Wow. So, this is serious stuff, guys. I remember getting that question wrong, like, on a quiz, because I would always think carbon dioxide the most abundant, because, but it's actually water vapor. But water vapor is natural, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> so... If all this, if we're doing all this radiation, then why haven't we seen this more disastrous effect? Like, obviously we're experiencing some changes, but why hasn't it been this catastrophic thing that everyone's talking about? Mm -hmm. Because of the ocean. The good old ocean. The good old sea. I don't know what else. <laughs> so the ocean is the largest absorber of incoming solar radiation and CO2. 26% of all the carbon released as CO2 from fossil fuels burning. Manufacturing and land use changes over the decade of 2002 to 2011 was absorbed by the ocean. This is keeping us in our equilibrium. But once we admit too much for the ocean to absorb, the scale will tip and there will be a positive, positive feedback, feedback loop. <laughs> Um, if you're wondering, we have probably said positive feedback loop in every single episode multiple times, <laughs> so I put a definition on our Instagram, environmental pod. Oh, great. So that way we can, you can go check that out and, and if you're curious what positive yeah. feedback loop is. If I you saw didn't, you post that. If you didn't get it from every time <laughs> we mentioned it. <laughs> um, another reason that carbon dioxide is important in the Earth system is that it dissolves oh, into the ocean like the fizz in a can of soda. Um, it reacts with water molecules producing carbonic acid and lowering the ocean's pH. Since the start of the Industrial Revolution, the pH of the ocean surface water has dropped from 8.2 to 8.1. This drop in pH is called Ocean acidification. Ocean acidification. <laughs> Dang, I should have done it. <laughs> so, so what is what is that, Mary? Ooh, well. Can you give us a little Wikipedia version? Sure. Um, uh, I'm really into ocean acidification, um, and also, so the pH pH levels for people who aren't familiar, like, is it's the lower the pH is, the more acidic something is, and then the higher the pH, the more basic it is. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much just that. The 
CO2 from the atmosphere mixes with the H2O in the ocean. It creates this little thing called bicarbonates, and it basically just makes the ocean like super acidic. So all that carbon from the atmosphere is literally being absorbed into the ocean. And the reason why this is alarming is because it's, you know, affecting all the plants and animals. Sea life and all the things that have shells. Yes. That's yeah, the, like, that's big thing. interesting. Mm-hmm. So the the animals can't form their shells, right? Yeah. So they need, like... Uh, the carbon in the water to, like it in to make their shells yeah mm. they need that carbon and if the carbon is bonding with like the water cube molecules and it can't bond to the calcium which means they can't form their shells because their shells are made out of calcium carbonate mm. Got and it. of course we know um coral bleaching ah gosh as darn the worst gosh darn it. <laughs> um there's a really good documentary on netflix called chasing coral i believe it's still mm. streaming um, if you wanted to find more, find out more about that. Um, so yeah, so this it's just another, it's just one of the many effects mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, but it's like a really big deal, like because we need like oysters. That if we don't have the oysters, <laughs> people aren't going to be able to eat, and our economy is going to collapse. Yes, gosh darn it. And the reason why this <laughs> is so like why. The re- the ocean is like the only reason why like everything's not already happened to the extreme mm-hmm. levels that it's gonna happen mm-hmm. because it's it's keeping us. Ocean sucks in a lot of carbon. Yeah. So if they didn't, then so we're not seeing the true effects of how much we're putting into the atmosphere because the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's the re- <laughs> so what emits. CO2. So there are both natural and human sources of carbon dioxide emissions. Natural sources include decomposition, ocean release, and respiration. Human sources come from activities like cement production, deforestation, as well as the burning of fossil fuels like coal, oil, and natural gas. So I'd say mostly us. Yeah, so basically us. us. (laughs) It's all our fault. No Um, offense, but it's all our fault. (laughs) And what I always find, this is, this next part is what I find, is what makes me feel most responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to the New York Times, while the United States is historically responsible for more emissions than any other country, it is no longer the world's largest single emitter of greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. China surpassed the United States a decade ago, and the emissions today are about double the American figure. Some of China's emissions are from the productions of goods for the United States or other rich countries. So the only reason why they are emitting so much is because they're making all of our stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, U.S. imports more than we export. So, and China exports more than they import. So they just send us all of the things that we buy from the dollar store for 99 cents and they make all the carbon dioxide over there we don't have to deal with it so we can't blame another country when Mm -hmm. we're still behind the reason why they're emitting so much yeah but the my point here is as an individual american 
you emit more CO2 than an individual living in China. Per capita. Right. Yes, for sure. That's the one. That's the argument that I heard that everyone's like, well, China this, China that. And then it's like, okay, well, Americans emit more per capita. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's what just makes me feel responsible is because mm-hmm. it's, it's on an individual basis. You can't just say, oh, well, look, that country. No, it's you. Um, me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and me. No, and you're you. right. Yeah. Um, so, per person, carbon emissions in 2014 for the United States were 16.2 metric tons CO2. Per person in China was 7.5. Wow. That's like less than half. So, in the movie Before the Flood, Leonardo DiCaprio talks to Sunita Noreen. And she is an Indian environmentalist and political activist, as well as a major proponent of the green concept for sustainable development. And this, their conversation really just brings this whole thing home. Um, so they discussed how India is now the third largest emitter of CO2. But um, Sunita argues that not every Indian has access to power. 30, 300 million people without power so the question is when those households that do not have power what is going to happen they can't just like start having solar power on their houses or their houses like oh so you're saying so like when those people who don't have power now and then they do get power they can't just make she's arguing you can't jump from having no resources to sustainable resources yeah it's a progression that has to occur Mm. and so as Americans, we can't point fingers to developing countries saying, well, since y- we now know this is the right way to develop, why don't you just do it? When we haven't, we have the resources and we haven't changed yeah. our lifestyles. It's all our fault. It's like our carbon is in the atmosphere now because of us. We can't just tell other people to Yeah, it's like stop. we're basically asking them like, hey, we made this mess, but can you clean it up for us? Right, and that does not make sense. So she says... If it was that easy, I would have really liked the U.S. to move towards solar, but you haven't. Mm-hmm. We need to stop pointing fingers at developing countries and focus on changing the American lavish lifestyle and consumption. The, the large American role in causing climate change creates an outsized responsibility to help fight it. So that's what just, that conversation just really, like, made me understand, like, it, it's our fault, so we can't. Yeah we can't make other countries that are developing develop in a way where we're not even yeah that's a big thing we've been talking about in my like policy of natural resources is like talking about like environmental justice and like the countries that will be most impacted are the developing countries and Mm -hmm. but everyone looks at them Mm. because they have such a high population they're like oh well those countries have so many people like they need to do something because there's so many people but those are the people that don't have access to resources like we have so and i remember now that you mentioned that they're the ones that are going to be impacted the most yes yeah mm-hmm. about by sea level rise yeah monsoons like weather yeah, changes totally. and so all this all these things that are happening they're going to be affected by yeah the all these things that we're doing we're not going to ha- have to deal with the consequences as like, much as other countries mm-hmm. yeah it's the other people who like already are having a tough like time living have a hard like livelihood 
and they're gonna have to deal with our actions, our like irresponsible actions, which is so messed up. Yeah. <sighs> so, anyways, yeah, that's I don't know. Take that <laughs> fact and that Americans pollute more carbon per capita to the next person that tries to say anything against. <laughs> tries yes. To- tries to say and like shout out to yeah. amy she also mentioned she read an article that helped her argument i shouldn't even say argument help her t- discuss this topic to other people about the Malay. Uh, oh my gosh i can't say it the Milan the cycle melankovich yes melankovich yes. cycles yeah and she was saying those happen on such a long wide time scale there is no way <laughs> That humans are currently seeing with our own eyes that change occurring. Yeah. Totally. Oh, did you guys know that uh, Facebook has a fact check feature on it now? What? <gasps> no. Yeah. So, um, you know how your relatives or people that your old classmates may post something on Facebook that you don't necessarily agree with <laughs> and, and then you, you just them. scroll by and, you know, as an environmental science student or someone who's very much into climate change, you like see this post that is them saying that climate change doesn't exist or something. And you really want to just write that five page essay to them explaining why color change exists but my uncle posted something that was like oh yeah this is why scientists got climate change wrong it's obviously the natural cycles like the milankovitch cycle and the normal cycles that the sun goes through and different orbit cycles and that and i just saw that and then i clicked like fact check and it said like yep this story has no like no premise like validity like scientists know that climate change is human caused and that those natural cycles are not impacting enough as much as we are yeah i actually remember that some of the cycles like actually cooled the planet slightly Mm -hmm. so it's funny because like yeah there's those natural cycles but they're not heating the planet Mm -hmm. so so i think that point like you can argue if it you can attempt to argue that it's natural, but once you realize that it happens on in millions and millions of years when it's only been a hundred or so, yeah, then that should automatically just throw away that argument because yeah, you can't watch time like that, you know, like mm-hmm. that. Just I don't know. That was a really good point. So thank you, Amy, for bringing that. Yeah, up. and not only that, but like scientists have like charts and data that track those <laughs> cycles. And it just doesn't align with, like, what's going on, so. And we know what those cycles were because of proxy data. Yes. Which I yeah. think I'm going to talk about. Cool. Maybe? Well. Go for it. <laughs> I mean, we just. We'll learned, talk about it. Yeah. Too. We learned about it in Kramer's class. Like. What is proxy data? So. Give us a day. In, in my understanding, it's. It's data that is old that we're using to now to make inference yeah of what's happening now so like tree rings and like Mm -hmm. um there's air that's trapped in ice so we can like glacial ice cores yes yes we can take that data that's from you know millions of years ago and interpret it now to understand what the climate was like back in the day are we talking about proxy data anymore? I mean, we're like talking that. about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can, I can, we can pull it up. Yeah, those are all, like, super important things. So, like, glacial ice cores. They literally just do an ice core, pull it out. Mm-hmm. Ice traps gas molecules. They suck out the gas molecules, and they can see the concentration of the gas. And then ice 
goes like the Arctic and Antarctic has been frozen for millions of years Mm -hmm. so they can literally go back millions of years with ice and sea and that's how that fact Mm -hmm. the um what emily said at the beginning is that we have had more carbon in than the last 800,000 years that fact is from glacial ice cores yeah and um on top of that um scientists can also track uh the isotopes within like that ancient ice and the ancient um water molecules and depending on how um, much water froze like that year, millions of years ago, there will be like different isotopes. Um, yeah, so liquid water has a certain isotope and then frozen water yeah. has a different isotope. Yeah, so th- um, so scientists can also use that to see like how warm the climate was like that year um, in that time. So, and we've previously discussed um, in an unaired episode um proxy data and so this we kind of discussed um like we talked about the data that is collected is representing what the climate was like in the past which is called paleoclimate paleoclimate is the climate prevalent at a particular time in the geological past um and as we talked about it's this data is collected by the ice cores tree ring samples pollen samples coral ocean and lake sediments um so many things yeah that we can look at and see what the climate was like in the past. So there's, it's not like we have this, it's not like we don't know. Um, so I just, I think the ice cores are the coolest because it, it's. For sure, yeah. It has the actual error that was in the dinosaur breath. Yeah. And they can, they can also, <laughs> dinosaur breath, they can also track, um, so a lot of the, so like any of the really big volcanic eruptions that occurred, um, like even like Mount St. Helens or any other like um, more ancient eruption, they can actually track that in the ice. Um, so um, was it the Mazama eruption? Um, that was like a really big ancient volcano, mm-hmm. if I'm rem- remembering correctly. And they can literally compa- see that in the ice core. They go down and there's literally this layer of ash. So that's where they know, well, this volcano erupted at approximately this year. So this is how far down we are in the ice right now. Yeah, and you can, um, I went to an outcrop, and you can clearly see, like, in the riverbed, there's this line that perfectly goes across, and that's, because it was such a Mm -hmm. huge thing, and so it's, it's prevalent in the, in the ground, it's not like we, it's not like an unknown. Yeah. They can, like, compare it across multiple things. Yeah. So. Let's talk about types of carbon sinks. Woohoo! Exciting. So, where does all that carbon go that we emit? How is it stored? Just like generally, kind of what happens to it. So, this is just pretty much called the carbon cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is one of those the ocean, right? Uh, yeah, one of okay. those is the ocean. And you were right, it's the largest carbon sink. Uh, it holds 37,000 gigatons of carbon. And this mostly comes from phytoplankton photosynthesis, uh, exchange of gases between air and water, and deep sea sediments that hold carbon as well. Um, and here's one of those fun things we like to talk about is that the more carbon dioxide that's in the ocean, the more the ocean warms, and then a warmer ocean can't uptake as much CO2. So that's something to think about as well as we are actively warming our ocean right now mm-hmm. um not funny sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Um, yeah, so something I know we've kind of talked about, but um, carbon cycle follows the like normal conservation of matter, where matter cannot be created or destroyed. So that's mm. something that we like definitely don't think about. Like whenever we like drive our car and we're making these carbon emissions, like it doesn't just disappear; it has to go somewhere, um, and usually ends up changing forms and getting stored somewhere else. Mm. Um, so another um, big storage, obviously, is through plants and through soil. Um, plants, obviously, th- store CO2 through photosynthesis. Um, and then the carbon is also stored in the soil and then within the plant itself. Um, so, And then when these plants decompose, they release carbon. And then um, plants also cycle carbon and air. Um, but they have a net intake of three gigatons per year. Wow. Too bad we're... Chopping them all down. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> that's why we need to... That's why they say, like, when you plant trees, you're trying to plant trees so that they can sequester carbon for you. So when we cut down super old trees and then we plant a little baby one, do they take up... They don't take up the same amount? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. The new or the younger trees actually have, like, a higher rate of, like, photosynthesis than the oh, older ones. Okay. But there oh, was I thought actually, it was the opposite. Um, what was that study? I remember we read it somewhere. There, there was a study that I was learning that I'm learning about in my ecosystem ecology class, and there was, oh, it was actually um, in the Olympic, or yeah, the Olympic Peninsula. Like people were cutting down trees because they thought that like once the trees got old enough, they didn't like f- like perform photosynthesis quickly. So they thought that, like, basically new growth forests um, photosynthesize at a higher rate than old growth forests, where in reality, like, just because a tree is older doesn't mean that it stops, like, performing photosynthesis. They both do mm-hmm. it. It's okay. Either way. Yeah. Trees suck carbon out of the air. <laughs> That's all that matters. Um, yeah. Um, and then our... So just for, like, a frame of reference, I guess our... Um, fossil pool, uh, as it's called, which is like pretty much all of where our fossil fuel comes with, which is held like deep beneath the surface. Um, this holds approximately 10,000 gigatons of carbon. So wow. that's like kind of at our disposure of like what we can use and should hopefully keep in the ground. But, <laughs> um, And then, um, of course, like outputs of carbon, like what creates this carbon is things like burning fossil fuels. um, And human puts this excess amount of carbon in the atmosphere. And even with all um, these other carbon sinks, um, we have a net increase of four gigatons per year from human use. So that's actually a lot. (laughs) So... Um, yeah. Do you want me to talk about how much CO2 is in the atmosphere yeah, right yeah. now? Tell us. Um, so there's this cool website you can go to. It's called CO2now.org. You can l- literally find out exactly how much carbon is in the atmosphere. Um, and this has been measured at the Mauna Loa Observatory in Hawaii by NOAA since the 1950s. So they've been having quite a consistent track record of 
recording this. Um, so you can just look and see what our um, daily CO2 is. Um, thanks to Emily, yesterday's CO2 was 409.68 ppm. Um, but you don't want to just see that number and um, just think that that is it. Um, obviously, there's average. It varies throughout the year. It varies um, seasonally. So um, you really want to get either a yearly average or compare this year's CO2 level to last year. So um, where today's CO2 level is 409, last year's CO2 level was 407. <gasps> so, and that is pretty consistent. We've been having at, at least um, two ppm increase per year. So it's pretty consistent. Yeah, and Yikes. it's a cool site. You can go back and see how much CO2 was... Uh, in the atmosphere when you were bored and then compare that to (laughs) what it is now. That was one of our assignments we had to... Yeah. How much CO2 was on your birthday and how much will there be? Yeah. I think mine was like 300 something. Yeah. Mine was like (sighs) 300 something. Shame. Yeah. So when we were born it was 100 ppm lower and now it's a lot higher. And then they were even saying... In our 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So then when we're in our 40s, what is it going to be? <gasps> no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is that how it works? Is I, it going to be like 500 it better not. ppm? We're going to be dead. <laughs> We're going to run out of oxygen. It's <laughs> all just going to be... No, I don't know. They're saying We're there's like... like gills or something. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying there's like a max amount of carbon that can be held mm. in the atmosphere. Mm. Um, <gasps> but I'm not really sure what that level is. Um, so I, then what happens... Once we hit that max level. No one knows. <laughs> I'm not sure. They probably That's have some, some idea. sci-fi um, stuff. I have not uh, like, researched that, so I don't want to make What if they guess. start making, like, sci-fi movies about, like, stuff like that as people become more aware? Oh, dude, yeah. They have of, not like, done that yet. Yeah, right? Climate change sci-fi movies. Yes. Why have they not done that? I think that's a good idea. You guys want to switch majors to being theater students so we can (laughs) make a climate change movie? It's okay. They'll just use us as, like, references so that the movies can be scientifically (laughs) accurate. I'm trying to find if younger or older trees. We'll we'll find out, and then we'll post it on our Facebook page because I swore that I read that article somewhere. I just Googled it, and every other article is different. So... I don't know. Take that one with a grain of salt, yes. then. Okay. Um, Mary, do you want to take over? Sure. I want to hear some solutions to all this carbon in the well, air. Well, yes. Okay. So I will talk about um, solutions, whether or not they're solutions. really... <laughs> whether or not they're um, practical mm. is another thing. Okay. So um, one possible solution is iron fertilization. Um, if you took in a biology class or maybe like a lower level SOE class, you've heard Gretchen, um, oh, yeah. the biology professor talk about this. Uh, they did a study where, so, um, plankton, oh. like plankton in the ocean need, um, iron and iron kind of like fertilizes them. So the more iron they have, the more, um, they can grow and yeah. Um, so the more iron there is, the more plankton there is, and the more, like, CO2 they can suck from the, um, atmosphere. So scientists thought, hey, like, why don't we just 
get a big boat, um, <laughs> <laughs> paddle out to the middle of the ocean, and dump a bunch of iron in it and see what happens. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. And it showed that actually it worked. So if you dump a bunch of iron um, into the ocean, like, the plankton will respond and they will, I guess, I'm not sure, they will multiply or they will just respire at a higher rate. Mm. Um, But, yeah, it totally works. Uh, So we could do that. And then so what happens is, like, the plankton breathes in all that CO2 and then they die, and they sink to the bottom floor, and then they bring that carbon with them to the bottom of the floor. And so that's called sequestering. So they are sequestering that carbon once they die and fall to the seafloor. Um, but turns out that that's not exactly practical <laughs> because you can't just have somebody, like, in the middle of the ocean at all times dumping a bunch of iron yeah. into the water. That's just not very efficient um as well as that can have unintended um effects on like the food web and the food chain if there's a whole bunch of um plankton then how is that going to affect the animals that eat that plankton and how is it going to affect those animals that eat those animals and yeah it's more complicated than just it's cool that it works but they haven't studied all the Exactly, yeah. Else. Yeah, it's cool that it works, but it's, like, there are so many, like, things that they don't, like, unforetold consequences. Um, but it works, so that's cool. Um, there is also um, another solution is what's called enhanced weathering. So there are certain types of rock, um, such as olivine, which when they weather and break down... Um, they naturally combine with carbon dioxide in the air or the water. So scientists um, have theorized, hypothesized maybe, that they can literally just crumble up a whole bunch of, like, olivine and <laughs> spread it along Sprinkle the beach. <laughs> yeah. It sounds so silly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it yeah. does sound silly, but it's like, Yeah. Um, and so the thought is that, yeah, you can put it on the beach in the water and it'll just suck up all of that um, carbon, which, again, um, I'm not sure if, like, they've actually tried this, but, again, it's not exactly Practical. efficient. <laughs> that one takes a lot longer, too, I think. What a oh, cool yeah. job. Mm-hmm. I'm a rock sprinkler. <laughs> I crush rocks and sprinkle it around. Um, there is also, um, just directly sucking it out of the air, (laughs) which I Mm. personally think that, like, if we really prioritized it, I don't know, maybe I'm just totally talking out of my butt, but if we prioritize it, we could totally make a machine that does that, Mm -hmm. because don't, isn't that also how they can, like, sequester, I don't know if you guys know about this, but can't they sequester, like, nitrogen from the air and that's how they produce like yeah. fertilizer for crops yeah so why can't they do that with carbon <gasps> they can but it's not cost effective right now oh boo yeah yeah boo hoo <laughs> yeah leonardo, <laughs> where leonardo are invest elon musk we need you <laughs> um yeah so there is absorption with a p that is the most common method of direct carbon capture and 
So a fan blows into a filter. So there's a filter, I guess, in the air, and there will be a fan pushing air through it. And that filter is lined with a liquid solvent absorbent. And so technically, in theory, like the air should just be able to push through that filter and it will um, bond to the carbon and take out the carbon. Um, there's also adsorption, which is basically the same thing, except for instead of using a liquid, they use a solid. Um, yes, and those are two ways that they can just directly take the carbon out of the air. Um, not sure what they would do with that carbon afterwards. Mm. Um, but again, I think that like if we really prioritized it and really like invested in um, like that sort of technology, we could figure out a way to do that efficiently, and we could figure out a way to like do something with that carbon, like whether sure. yeah. we just like dig a big hole and shove it down there, or like which maybe- is also an idea. <laughs> yeah, that's yes, that is also an idea. Um, or like if we could use it as some other form of energy, but then I don't know if we would be... Building supply, anything. It could be fertilizer. It could be... There's so many things of it. Yeah. 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 Humans are innovative. Yes. We're innovative and creative and smart, and we just need the monies to do (laughs) it. But we're not smart enough to stop, you know, emitting it. Yeah, just... (laughs) We need something new to, to counteract. Yeah. Um, I took, I know you were going to talk about how many earths it takes to sustain, um, your lifestyle. I took that also and, um, I need four, we need four earths to sustain. For you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so bad. I don't know. Well, I think it's because one, my car gets really bad gas mileage. Uh It gets Mm -hmm. like 15 miles to the gallon and then also um when it asked about flying i did do some flying this year so i think that's where it came from Mm. because other than that like um flying is pretty big yeah flying is really it's a really big one what i just noticed was they didn't ask oh do you use a reusable bag do you use straws like they didn't they that's yeah they didn't ask that they asked your transportation habits your living habits your your I well I think like that because those like lifestyle things like driving and eating and electricity is more like directly that more directly influences mm-hmm. your carbon emissions more than like even though producing plastic bags and plastic straws like the production of that also is carbon is a carbon cost but I think like you know your direct like lifestyle and actions yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about the ecological footprint. I don't know if we actually said that oh, yes. out loud. Um, um, we all took the little test online. It's um, um, footprintcalculator.org. That's where I did mine. What is Emily's? Earth? So mine is two, but pretty much two. And I I believe mine was more last year, but um, since I ride my bike to school, I do not get gas at all. That's like, great. Ever. So, because I because I work at school as well, so I'm just here for the whole day and then I go home. That's and awesome. So I think that is what helped reduce. I didn't really know the 
the exacts about my house. My house is pretty old, so I kind of I bumped that up a little because I don't think we have the most efficient appliances. Um, but my mom does a pretty good job of buying local organic yeah food. Um, but yeah, so it's I mean that's still one too many Earths. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it tells you how many Earths it would take for you to live. If everyone on Earth lived like you did. You got four. That's, like, crazy. I know. I was shocked. Well, I took this, like, four years ago, and it was, like, three. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I've become more... What happened? Aware. I think... I don't know. (laughs) Or or maybe you just... We filled it out more correctly. Because, like... Um, I know now you can, like, go to your details and say it has details, which yeah. you didn't used to have. Did you do the details one? Yeah, I didn't. Oh, okay. But so I maybe know. that's another Yeah, reason. I thought that, like, I did it last year, and I got, like, 1.6, I think, and Dang, I was surprised. so low. <laughs> I was even surprised that it was that high, though, because I feel like, you know, I, like, yeah. use my reusable bag. I'm, like, mostly a vegetarian. Like, I try to, like, turn off all the lights in the house, but mm-hmm. just because I drive to school every day, like, kind of makes, it makes a big deal, so. So, yeah, I think what helped me realize the most was that you can't, you have to live this, you have to live, like, 360 Good, like all around good you can't just like do one mm, thing yeah and chalk it up to that you're yeah you're being energy efficient when you can i can not use a straw but then i go and take a 30 minute shower like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like you need to balance have that balance everywhere so so um yeah we suggest you go to i i went to footprintcalculator.org yeah that's the one i did um so yeah go take the test see how many earths uh you take (laughs) it's probably gonna be less than mine (laughs) um and let us know um thank you for listening we we hope to get to a thousand streams soon so keep streaming talk to your dentist talk to (laughs) doctor dj the mailman Tell them about carbon, all the cool stuff you just learned. Yes. All right. Goodbye.